welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. Be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she, they pronouns, um, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire, and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. I love Rebels in general, and the reason for that is because of the characters. Um, and Callus himself is, like, one of my favorite Rebels characters, I think. I don't know. I love them all, so it's hard to choose, but I think he's probably up there. Um, and I just think that he is a very interesting character. I think that he has a very interesting story arc. Um, and it's something kind of unlike what we've seen before, or at least like compared to similar things, like it's better written, I feel like. And just like he has a very well-developed character. Yeah, I just think that he's very interesting. I think that there's a lot to be said about him. Um, he's not just like a two-dimensional character. He doesn't just have like a poorly done, not thought about redemption arc like a lot of other characters in Star Wars have had in the past. I feel like more thought was put into him as a character and him in terms of like a character who was going to be redeemed. Um, and so I just think that um, the writing done for Callus in Rebels was really good. And I hope that we get to see more of him in some upcoming projects. Yeah, I love Rebels too. It's, I think it's my favorite show, my favorite Star Wars show. And the arc with Callus, um, his just storyline throughout all of the seasons uh, was something that I definitely wasn't expecting and something that I ended up really liking. Um, I know when I went into it, I my friend who watches Star Wars and who got me into it was like, oh my God, I love Callus. Like, I love him. And at first I was like, are you kidding? Like, what is, like, this guy is the worst. In the first episode, he literally, like, kicks a stormtrooper off of, like, thousands of feet into the air. And I was like, wow, this is their favorite. Anyways, then I was, then as you, you know, you go on, you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Um, I do love Imperial Defector stories. I am a big fan um, because I always think that they're done so interestingly. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with the writing, like you said. Uh, Callus's storyline was thought out very well and it wasn't rushed in like the last season, at the end of the last season. It was uh, something that happened throughout the entire show. Um, and you got to grow with the character as you're watching. And I thought that was a um, good experience to see that these characters, the ghost crew, their interactions with Callus at the beginning. And then throughout the show, you know, we have that lovely episode with um, Zeb and Callus on the ice moon. Uh, love them. Love them. I think that that is obviously when the audience starts to realize too, like, oh, okay, like, Maybe Callus isn't just this horrible uh, imperial person. Maybe there's something more there. Um, and so, yeah, I think that out of out of all of the imperial defector stories that I have read um, or watched, I think his is definitely done the best. I may be wrong. There might be others that I just haven't known about, but I I really enjoyed his um, his arc from from being an imperial and being a fascist to uh, becoming a part of the rebellion and helping destroy the uh, empire that he helped spread. Star Wars has kind of developed this trope that they like to use where like a character um, at the very last minute has a change of heart and does something good and then dies. And I don't know why they think that that's a good storyline to follow multiple times because and then try to play off as like oh look they like turned to the light or they like became a good guy and now they're good and it really doesn't work like that the thing about Callus's story that is different and I think makes it successful is that he they took the time to show his change in thought process and like we see that mainly in the episode where he's on the ice moon with Zeb and they're sort of talking and like he's talking about the empire and like even throughout that singular episode you can see him starting to realize like oh the empire like now that I'm thinking about it and now that I'm like actually 
taking the time to analyze my actions and like analyze what the empire has been doing all this time like it's not great and he realizes that and then like throughout the rest of the show you see him like starting to help the rebels and he becomes fulcrum and then he eventually ends up just fully joining the rebellion um and i think that his story is really important and it's really good to finally see like a well fleshed out story of a villain who ends up like having this moment of realization where he realizes what he's doing is bad and he like actively makes an effort to change he doesn't just like randomly decide like oh i'm good now and like look at me i'm good he actually like takes the steps to help the rebellion and like to prove to them that he actually has change and not just like expecting them to believe it and like take him in without a second thought yeah and i think i think that star wars um just did it with darth vader where you know it was oh look at this horrible villain and then oh my god he died and before he died he said i'm turning back to the light and then they were like wow that really worked we're gonna do it over and over again um yeah no i i don't think that works actually but with with callus we have this whole we have uh, an interesting perspective because we are watching this show through the ghost crew. Um, we have how the characters interact with Callus definitely influence our view of him. And so at the beginning, you know, we can see that Callus is the worst and that he's, you know, being a fascist. And um, because that is what the ghost crew is seeing. And something interesting I think happens when um Zeb and Callus are on the ice moon again uh you know he Zeb is the only one who knows that Callus kind of has a bit of a heart maybe you know the rest of the ghost crew does not um know what happened they don't know that he that Zeb let Callus go back to the empire um and so we as the audience we kind of see like okay well we saw through his interaction with Zeb that he is getting better, but we still aren't fully convinced. You know, you feel um, you feel sad for him at the end when he's like alone and he realizes like, oh, no one in the Empire actually cares about me. And look at this family that Zeb has and who care about him, you know. And so you kind of like, oh, that's kind of upsetting. But you don't like feel horrible for him you don't think that he's some like misunderstood villain like the first like completely um and that's kind of what zeb is going through too you know he he has to over time uh go through his interactions with callus and the impact that callus has had on his life and on his people um and that is something that is very well thought out and that they i just executed very well yeah, I think like you said, that's an important part of it is that like they're not trying to make us feel sorry for him because of things in his past. They're trying to show us how he's getting better and he's not like sitting around feeling sorry for himself. He's like, I'm going to take the initiative to like actually change my life and like become a better person and fight for a cause that I believe in and that I think is actually a good cause to be supporting. Um, and that's another thing that I think is lacking in a lot of redemption arcs, specifically in Star Wars. I mean, like, the very obvious example is Ben Solo, which I think was like, uh, I'm like, y'all, that was very, like, they really thought that that was it. But um, it's just like, the whole thing with him is like, oh, look, he's like, sad, because he like, some things happened in his past, and he's like, angry about it. And then like, he saves one person. And it's like, oh, my God, look how great he is. And that's not at all how it works. And I'm like, I don't feel sorry for him. I just feel like he's an angry little man who like didn't actually do anything to become a better person. Whereas Callus is um, definitely a contrast to that where like you see him making an effort, which is what it actually takes. Like you can't just say I'm good now. Um, you have to actually do something. Um, and then obviously his relationship with Zeb and then like with the rest of the ghost crew helps him along with that because he eventually reveals to them that he's fulcrum and then they like eventually help him escape from the empire um and then he does like fully join up with the rebellion specifically obviously Zeb because Zeb is the first person to really like sit down with him and be like hey like the empire is bad and trying to sort of like get him to realize that which eventually it does end up working um 
And then we have like little moments between then and when he actually leaves where like he helps out Sabine when she's trying to escape the, um, the fighter academy, I think. Um, and so just like little things like that where you see his character and then we eventually do get um, through Imperial Eyes, which is one of my favorite episodes, which is fully from Callus's perspective. And you see like he really does care about the rebellion. He cares about the cause. Like he's not just like doing this just to prove something. You can see how much he actually cares and you see it more in like the episode where Thrawn finds out um that he's fulcrum and like the rebels have to save him like he really does believe in the cause and i think that that is one of the key differences between him and other characters in star wars exactly i think the the poor little meow meowification of uh, alexander callus was was executed in a way that many many star wars um villains lack uh i think that you know we we see his entire um, imperial life played out, whereas we get with our other villains, ooh, we don't really, we don't really see their realization of this is bad and also how they're going to fix it. You talked about Ben Solo, you know, he, there, there is other material about Kylo Ren and Ben Solo that I haven't read. Um, so it, totally admitting that. But from what you see in the sequels, which is a majority of what fans are going to watch and what people are going to watch in general, they very much rely on him being a sad boy and him being him being a pretty sad boy. And then, you know, oh, okay, well now, well, he kissed the good, the good one. He kissed the good girl. I guess he's okay now, you know. That relays very, you know, bad things to the audience thinking that you know these people can just be redeemed after they've literally destroyed an entire system of planets um i don't think so i think that is just something that happens often in star wars um it's something that i'm really afraid is going to happen in the bad batch with uh crosshair i feel like i mean i can already see it starting in the fandom you know from literally the first episode people were like oh no he's he's a he's just a little sad boy like no actually he is a murderer um you know and so it's just it's just one of those things that I'm grateful for rebels for actually going through and thinking about it and portraying in a way that is not going to be harmful to audiences that is not going to uh influence the way that people think about uh criminals and bad people you know um because things that happen in media do translate into real life and i'm not saying like oh you know oh i watched i watched the rise of skywalker and now i'm and now i'm a murderer and it's okay i'm not saying that but it does have an impact it does have it's not a one-to-one ratio but it does have an impact yeah i'm i'm glad that you brought up crosshair because that was i was also thinking i am i am worried that they're gonna do like a poorly done redemption arc they like I can definitely see them reusing the like one heroic act and then dying trope because they love to pull that one um and just like the difference with Callus too is that even after he has joined the rebellion fans of him that I have seen like at least in my interactions with other fans aren't like oh what he did in the empire is fine because he's like good now but with like crosshair a lot of the time I see people being like, oh, the stuff he did in the Empire is, like, justified, or, like, the stuff he's been doing throughout the first season is justified, like, because he was sad, and because, like, they quote-unquote left him, even though it's not even that simple, um, I'm, like, even if he does end up getting, like, a well-fleshed-out redemption arc, like, I I don't have a lot of faith in it, but even if it did happen, that doesn't mean that everything he did before was okay, and with Callus, like, people don't feel the need to defend everything that he did in the empire because like he himself recognized that it was wrong and was like yeah I should not have done all this stuff I'm going to make a change for myself and so fans don't feel the need to be to justify everything that happened before because he as a character doesn't feel the need to justify bad things just to make himself feel better right exactly it's it's completely depend the fans reactions and fans like interpretation of the characters completely depends on how the media itself 
portrays the character you know why fans of callus i totally agree i've never seen a fan of callus be like oh yeah everything he did is completely justified he's never done anything wrong in his life never have seen that and that's because we see not only himself um trying to atone for his actions and trying to work through his past and being a being a part of the empire but we also see other characters who have been victimized by him start to I don't want to say forgive but definitely be more relaxed about him and understand that he is trying to change and he's trying to be a good person we don't really see that with crosshair we see you know we see hunter like once be like oh I left him that was bad of me I mean, Crosshair was literally trying to kill him and a child. Like he did not have a choice to leave. Um, but that's the thing. We don't we don't see Crosshair even being like, oh, maybe my actions are bad. Because he, even in the very end, after the Bad Batch comes back and saves his life, he still is like, no, I'm going back to the Empire. No, I'm going back. And you're like, okay, well, then you, you have your chance and you're not taking it. Um, and that means that you should not, your, your actions are not justifiable regardless, but going forward, you had anything you do, I'm so, saying you, anything Crosshair does going forward will never be justifiable and will never be able to be forgiven because he had a chance and he did not take it. And I know that some of these Crosshair fans, you know, it's okay to like Crosshair. It's really, is he's a very interesting character. Um, it's not okay to justify his actions. It's also just not okay to be toxic on the internet. Um, I feel like that's a big problem too, because the way that fans also treat some of these characters like Crosshair directly impact other people's views of him as well. It's not just the media, it's how fans react to the media. It's all interconnected and it's all gonna influence how we perceive people and that does have an impact on real life. And the problem then becomes like this snowball effect of like, oh, a lot of fans really loved Ben Solo and we're like, wow, his ending's so great. Like he's my little baby and I love him. And so like creators see those things and they're going to be like, oh, that worked. Let's do it again. Like with Crosshair or with whoever the next villain is. And then it just keeps going and going. And it's like, we, they know, like we have a character like Callus. We know that they know how to do that. So like, by supporting Callus's story and being like, we want to see more of this, they can be like, oh, wow, fans are responding well to like an actually well thought out redemption and not just like what we've been doing all this time. Maybe it's time to like actually put more thought into it. But as long as people are like out here yelling about how like Ben Solo or like Anakin Skywalker or Crosshair, like all these people did nothing wrong and like how their redemptions were perfect and like then they're just going to keep doing it. And it's just going to be this like never ending problem of people. And then people there have this problem of like, and it's like, it's okay to relate to traits of a character who is not a good person, but like, you have to be able to separate things out. Like you can't be like, oh, I relate to like some trauma that like crosshair or someone went through or like this one trait about them. So now like I need them to, have a redemption even if it's not a real redemption I'm going to pretend that it is because I am now like relating to that person and like it, it doesn't need to work like that there can be this sort of separation between those two ideas and I think that that's where a lot of people struggle with feeling the need to justify every single thing that a character that they like has done. So true I think also like I look at like Bo-Katan I am so anti-Bo-Katan rep, uh, redemption arc. I want. I don't think she needs to be redeemed at all. She has done horrible things. Um, and I can see the reasoning behind a lot of her actions. That doesn't mean I agree with them at all. Um, and I don't think they're justifiable. I love Bo-Katan. Um, and I do relate a lot to her. That's okay. It's Characters exist in media for people to relate to and for people to take comfort in. I don't think she needs to be redeemed. I don't think so. And it's like the same with Crosshair. Like I can see why people relate to Crosshair. I really can. And that's totally okay. Maybe though, he doesn't need to be redeemed. You know, you are, you relate to a character. It doesn't mean you are them. 
you don't like have to have these characters be redeemed. Um, and then I, I, going back to Callus though, um, he, he's a character that I feel people can relate to. I don't personally relate to a lot of his struggles, um, but I can see why and how people can. That's a great character who was redeemed and who I think needed a redemption. Um, it would be okay if he didn't, like that's fine if he just continued to be a villain, but it was a character that, you know, like I said, I love these Imperial defector stories and his was done really well. And it's in his redemption because it was done so well was totally deserved in my eyes. Um, so yeah, I just think that not every character needs redemption and the characters that do, that should have redemptions, um, they should be done very well. And they should not just have these redeeming moments and then dying. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my opinion. Yeah, the Bo-Katan thing is a really good point because I all, like, I mean, pretty much everyone who knows me knows that I love her. She is one of my favorite characters, but like something that always happens when I like post about her or talk about her, people are like, well, like she's probably going to end up being like an antagonist in the Mandalorian season three or stuff like that. So like, you shouldn't like her. And I'm like, I hope she is an antagonist. Like that is what exactly. I want. I don't want them to pretend that she's a good person. Like I liked her as a character in Clone Wars and she was not a good person then. And she hasn't been since. So like, I'm okay with that. I don't feel the need for every character I like to be a good person. Like I, I like a lot of villains in Star Wars and just like in general, because they are interesting characters. And like the job of a villain is to further the story. And so if they can further the story just by being bad, then that's what they should do. If we have a character like Callus who could better further the story by being redeemed and by changing sides, then I think that's good too. But it's all about like what the narrative itself needs. And I think that a lot of times writers don't take the time to consider that because they see that like fandom spaces always just want this like morally conflicted villain who's like just dark and brooding and like ends up being quote unquote good in the end, except they're not actually. But like that isn't always the best thing for the story that's trying to be told and so I think that like putting thought into it is how you end up with characters like Callus, who are such a good example of a redemption arc yeah I think also like a lot of kind of going off of this um something that's necessary for the narrative um I feel like a lot of these characters specifically like like looking at Darth Vader he needed to die he definitely needed to die for the ending to happen um and he had a redeeming moment, which I think, you know, worked well for that story. Um, I'm not a super fan of it, but, you know, it, because of the snowball effect that has happened since, I do think it was a good I, decision for the story. However, you know, I look at characters, though, <laughs> like like Trilicidary from um, Jedi Fallen Order, who, spoilers for Jedi Fallen Order, literally just dies at the end um I really did hate that and it's and Trilla is one of my favorite characters and she is the villain and I don't think she necessarily needs to be redeemed um and if she is I would like it done in a really like great way kind of like Callus did um but she is dead you know personally I'm a Trilla lives truther uh but you know going off of that she she had a redeeming moment I don't even think it's a redeeming moment I think it's like a moment of atonement almost you know she like had this realization that you know being a, being a fascist and being in the empire was bad and she did bad things um and that was important to the other characters in the story. You know, her master, Sarah, was there when she died. And I think for Sarah's story to wrap up like it did, she needed to see Trilla, you know, realizing that her actions have been bad and realizing that there are people who care about her and that like, blah, blah, blah. She has light in her still, all of that good stuff, you know? So it's like great for the other characters just like Darth Vader's death and his atonement was great for Luke's character and impacted the rest of Luke's story. Because after that, you know, he, he just believes like people are good. 
people are good. And that's why, you know, stuff that happened in the sequels of Ben Solo happened is because he got afraid that he might have been wrong, that people are not always going to turn to the light side. You know, it's an integral part of Darth Vader's death, Anakin Skywalker's death, and his atonement was an integral part of other people's stories. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think that something like Crosshair having a redeeming moment and then dying, I don't see how that could benefit the other characters. I just think it would benefit the fans who want him to be redeemed. And I think there's also like something to be said for this sort of like interesting balance that you can find with a character. Like, again, Bo-Katan is a good example where like she has times in Clone Wars where she's like working with the Jedi and on like the protagonist side of things but that doesn't mean that she is the protagonist or that she's like a good person. She's just doing what she needs to do to further like her own agenda, but also it furthers the story as a whole to have her teaming up with these different people. We could have something similar to that with Crosshair, you know, where he's like, maybe in the future he's, cause I don't, I mean, not to like get into Bad Batch thoughts and stuff like that, but like, I feel like him rejoining with the Empire is not gonna go very well for him because they don't want clones anymore. That's like the whole point. Um, so whatever ends up happening there, if he ends up being like uh, going off on his own, not working for the Empire or working with the Batch, like I could see a situation where like they team up, he teams up with the rest of the Batch for an episode and then like goes off again. And like, I think stuff like that is fine if it furthers the story, but like it doesn't necessarily need to be him being like, you guys were right. And like, I'm going to come back and we're all going to be brothers again. And like, I'm going to be a good guy. Like there is this in-between, there's this middle ground that I think is actually a very interesting, like, storyline to pursue a lot of times. It's done well, obviously, and so I wish that um, Star Wars and just, like, a lot of media in general would sort of think about that rather than this idea of, like, they're good or bad or, like, they're redeemed or they're not. Like, there can be sort of this middle space with these morally great characters that's actually well-developed. Exactly. And I think also just like with with villainous characters in general, having more nuance in their storyline would be great. I think for Crosshair, something like I, I personally think Crosshair should stay a villain um, in, in a way that they could do that and make it interesting and keep it, you know, keep him an interesting character that people can still see, you know, whatever they want to see in him is doing something sort of the way that the High Republic did with Lorna D in Tempest Runner. Tempest Runner is a book about a villain, um, about Lorna D, but she is the protagonist of the story. She, you know, something like along the lines of Crosshair, you know, and his life and his story. And you can see the, the reasons for his actions, um, but not justifying them but seeing the reasons for them would be really great. And I do think that is where, not that I wanted to see a lot of Crosshair in the Bad Batch, but I do think that is where that show felt fell short, um, was not giving us enough of his story. I would have liked to see why, like, what is his reasons? Why does he do this? Like, not saying that every single villain in Star Wars or in media in general needs a reason for being in action some people are just bad but with a character who has a following like crosshair does I do think that is very necessary yeah if they're going to like keep crosshair as a villain which I agree I think they should like they need to do something to actually like build that up because right now it just seems like oh I just like I believe so much in the empire like he's giving this whole speech to them but it's unclear like why he's like the empire is is right and good and I'm like okay but you have literally no reason to think that especially since we know you like aren't chipped you're just doing this I need more than that if he's going to be like a reasonable realistic villain who is going to be like a good antagonist to like um like a good counterpart to the bad badge and yeah like I agree. I think that, um, I mean, Lorna D is obviously a really good example of like a villain backstory, as you said. And I think that like just the higher public in general, like realize that villains can just be bad. Like it's that simple. Like Martian Rowe at no moment ever have I been like, wow, he kind of has a point or like, 
oh, maybe he'll like get a redemption arc. Like, absolutely not. But it, it, it's fine. Like, it makes sense in the story. And so I just think that like writers really need to think about stuff like that and be like, this is just a villain who is bad. And here's why they're bad, not as a justification, but just sort of like, here's all the facts, here's everything. And like, here is the explanation of why they are the way that they are. Yeah. And I think also going kind of like with this Mark ideal, like he, his following is very similar to Crosshair's following. At least from what I've seen, a lot of people kind of like Marky Woo on Twitter is so funny to me, but like never once have I seen someone be like, no, no, Marshawn's Rose actions are like completely justified and blah, blah, blah. And he's never done anything. I've never seen that. And he has fans. He has fans that are so like thirsty for him. I've, other than maybe just Twitter, I've never seen the Star Wars fandom so horny over a character. Um, You know what? To each their own. I love it. It's great. And the High Republic authors do contribute to it um, on the internet. Besides the point. I do think that um, he is just a villain who is bad. And I don't think anyone actually wants to see Martian Rowe be redeemed, unlike people who like Crosshair and Kylo Ren and Anakin. They're like, wow, these characters need to be redeemed because they deserve it. And I'm like, why? Why, why should a character who literally murders people and has no remorse for it get a redemption? that's gross that gives me the ick yeah it's just this weird thing too of like yeah because there are a lot of people who are like oh my god marcian Rowe is so hot and like i am obsessed with him i'm like you know what good for you and like there are people who are the same way with like ben solo anakin skywalker crosshair i'm like okay like i mean like they're not my type but like go you i guess but like you can you can think they're attractive and not think they're good people like it'll be okay I promise <laughs> yeah it's okay I literally am such a Lorna D simp I yeah love exactly her. I think she's so hot and sexy she's just bad though like she's just a villain mm-hmm. I'm like they're fictional characters you can think that they're hot and like like them as characters without have like they are fictional that is the whole point of fictional characters is that you can like them no matter what like they're there to make the story interesting whether it's by being a protagonist or an antagonist or anything like the whole point is for you to like their character like like author authors are not writing care I mean like obviously there are some characters in media that you're like supposed to just fully hate them but like majority of the time even with villains they're writing them to be interesting not for you to be like oh my god I hate them I want them to get off the screen or like if it's in a book like I don't want to see them so it just like I'm just like you can like them it's okay but just like think think critically before saying you're like oh like I'm like a crosshair apologist or like an Anakin apologist I'm like no like Anakin literally murdered children like let's Mm -hmm. let's not (laughs) I'm just thinking about cricks right now. <laughs> I know we we we're supposed to be talking about Callus. I just think <laughs> that Crick's camera from the High Republic series, read the High Republic series. Um, he is such a good example of a character who you are meant to hate. Mm-hmm. Like he is such a good like he's a great character in the sense that anytime I see him, I'm like, ew, I hate you. <laughs> But I also understand the reasoning for his actions and I understand his mental processes and I don't agree with it. And I think he doesn't deserve a redemption, but I understand because it's written so well. That's something that also happens with Callus. I don't think that Callus is a completely hateable character. I definitely didn't like him when he was in the Empire, though. I definitely was like, you are kind of the worst because you're hurting these people that I really love. Um, And so, you know, but I understood so much, especially after, you know, his entire arc as a whole, but also each little piece we got of him in the show, I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of seeing your process um, that you're going through. And I'm seeing like what you 
think your actions are meaning. And I also see that you are trying to get better, especially towards the end. And then when he joins their bell and you're like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I kind of like, you know, um, you still are kind of <laughs> the worst before, but, you know, I also think though that like something that we obviously need to talk about because this is a gay podcast, Callis and Zeb are are pretty much canon. Um, Kalazeb, my my love, I love you. That is such an important relationship to this like redemption arc as well. Because we saw like the person who was victimized the most by Agent Callus was Zeb and Zeb's people. And the fact that Zeb was able to forgive him in a way and you know find a love for him that translates to the audience you know you're seeing like wow like he obviously callus obviously has made such a personal change to the point where his literal the person that he was oppressing was able to find love for him yeah their relationship is definitely like sort of the center point of callus's story and it's like okay, yes, I do think that they are in love and married and, like, you know, but even if you don't, that's fine. Um, it's just, like, the way that they start off as, like, Callus is the antagonist for, like, the entire ghost crew, but it's mainly Zeb. Like, the two of them are always, like, fighting and, like, Zeb has the most, like, personal conflict with Callus and the most, like, emotional conflict with him. Um, and then we see like, you know, them on the ice moon and they're like, we still hate each other. And Zeb's like, you're still a bad person, but like, we sort of are starting to understand each other better now. And then like, as it goes forward, they get even closer and closer. And I think that the ending to their story is so perfect with Zeb sort of taking callous and being like, yes, you did bad things, like specifically to my people, but like, here is this home this new world that like me and my people are creating and like I want you to be a part of it because I truly recognize that you have actually made a change in your life and like I really do believe that you um feel like that you recognize that what you did in the past was wrong and that you like understand why it's wrong and we're willing to take the steps to make amends with Zeb specifically and with his people specifically, because like you said, he is a direct person that Callus has harmed during his time in the empire. And so I think that like their whole story arc and specifically the way it ends is the thing that really solidifies Callus's redemption and sets it apart from a lot of failed redemptions in Star Wars. I just love gay people. I just love- Yeah, that, that sums it up, you know? Yeah. Also, though, like, kind of the worst that our more of our gay representation in Star Wars is by a former fascist. Yeah. Whatever. It's fine. I'm I'm okay. (laughs) This one time to look past that. I would look past that. (laughs) But yeah, thanks, Dave Filoni, for some queer rap. I never thought I would say that. I guess we could talk a little bit about where we think he could like show up in the future because I. Not gonna lie, I clowned myself because I was like, oh my God, like Callus is gonna be in the bad batch. Like I I just know it. And then he wasn't. I mean, like he still could be in the future, I'm hoping. Um, because we do know, you know, he has this sort of history with Saw Guerrera's rebels, and like we did see them in the bad batch, which was sort of where my train of thought went. Um, and obviously, like at that time, he would still be like an Imperial and like in the Imperial Academy. Um, then we also have Andor coming out, and I'm like live action Callus, maybe like I I just want Callus to show up again if you couldn't tell um so but I do think that like those two shows are the places where it make the most sense it just depends whether like what context they want to have him show up you know like as a younger imperial at the imperial academy or like later on in Andor because it takes place later um so it's just sort of like I'm interested to see if they are going to bring him back and like in what way and if it'll just be like him there as an imperial or like more integral to a story but I do hope that we get to see him again. So do I. I think that um, our best bet is in Andor. Um, Just like he is an ISB agent so that would make a lot more sense than him showing up in something like 
like Kenobi, which is probably not going to be surrounded by the Imperial Security Bureau. Um, and also Kenobi's just like pro- way too big of a show. I think it's going to um, try to get way too many fans. Like, like that's the purpose of Kenobi um, is to have a broader audience. I think that Andor is, while I do think it's going to do very well, um, I think it's also going to be for more like committed Star Wars fans. Um, I, I'm interested to see like how many people have actually seen Rogue One who have seen the rest of the movies um, because that is like people who aren't super into Star Wars only know Cassian from Rogue One. Um, and then, so yeah, I do think that that is something that we could see him in as a younger Imperial would be so down for that. Um, something also that would be strange to me, but that wouldn't like completely boggle my mind um, is him appearing in Ahsoka. Uh, I think that there could be some things because it is a Dave Filoni show and Dave loves to insert his OCs into his shows. Um, And so I think that's something that could be possible uh, is him just having like a random appearance for no particular reason, but we know we're getting ghost crew. Like we know that Sabine is going to be in Ahsoka, which means that Zeb could be in Ahsoka, which means that his husband Callus could be in Ahsoka. So yeah, I think that that is also um, something that could happen. Uh, yeah, I also think Bad Batch, um, that would make a lot of sense, especially because we know there's going to be a time jump between season one and two. We don't know how long it is. I'm hoping it's not that long. I don't enjoy long time jumps. Um, but I do think that, you know, even like a year, which is what I'm thinking they're they're going for, he could appear uh, in that as a very young Imperial, uh, fresh or even in the Academy, you know, something like that. There's lots of stuff going on in the Bad Batch right now. Um, and that just seems so like something that would happen. Just like, oh my God, it's Agent Callus. Weird. Okay. Just for an episode. Yeah, I think Ahsoka series is definitely possible too, especially if, like you said, they bring in Zeb, which uh, the Ahsoka series already kind of functioning as like, not like a rebel sequel, but like continuation of the rebel storyline with them like going after Ezra and Thrawn and like bringing in Sabine. Um, Because the end of Rebels, like, does set up for that storyline to be continued. Um, And so I do think that, like, with that being the main storyline, it makes sense. And it would almost be kind of weird if they didn't include Zeb. Because, like, Zeb and Ezra, like, Sabine and Ezra, I think, were probably the closest. But, like, Zeb and Ezra were also very close. Um, And so, like, depending on what Zeb is up to now, since, I like, we don't really know specifically what he's been doing. Um... But I think that definitely Sabine would want to include him in that search for Ezra and Ahsoka would want to include him. And I mean, Zeb and Callus are together. So if Zeb goes, Callus is probably going to go too. Um, And it's just like a good tie-in to Rebels for like Rebels fans who are watching Ahsoka. Um, And just like it kind of brings back together that whole group um, to go after Ezra, who was sort of like the center point of that group by the end of the series. Yeah, my my dream is that, you know, they Ahsoka realizes they need some help. They go to uh Lyrison and they're like, yeah, like here's Zeb. And then like Callus walks out in like an apron. He's baking like a pie. I was just about <laughs> to say he has like the kiss the cook apron. <laughs> exactly. He's like, hey honey, what's going on? <laughs> Sees Ahsoka and Sabine is like oh shoot like what's going on (laughs) and then yeah and then we have gays in star wars that'd be great hopefully one of them doesn't die immediately afterwards but yeah once again star wars no bury the gays don't do that to me please please. i don't want it (laughs) um yeah i am like i'm manifesting so hard that we get uh, like at least one gay person in the ahsoka series because like yeah if callus and zeb are there they're an easy bet like Sabine is there I think that Sabine is a lesbian so like she can kiss a woman that would be great um Ahsoka like anyone there they could all be gay like come on Star Wars just uh, give me at least one okay but I'm just asking for the bare minimum here 
I just had a thought. It has nothing to do with the podcast, with this podcast in particular. But what if we get like slightly older Jason Sindula? <laughs> and he's like, because he would be what, like 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he was born at the very beginning of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And it takes place, or no, it takes place in 11 ABY. So he would be, he would be 11. And he's like, I have a crush on this kid at my school. It's a boy. <laughs> like a little little kid, gay Jason Sindula. That's what I want. Gay Jason Sindula with his gay uncles, Callus and Seb, giving him so relationship true. advice. So true. <laughs> Hera is like, you know what? Literally, like, my entire crew on my ship was also gay. So, like, let's go find them and you can ask them about it. Absolutely. She's like, she's like we're getting the band back together. And it's just her collecting all of her gays back <laughs> to raise That's her That's the plot son. of these Soko theories. We're like, we got there, yeah. yeah. We just to, it. And then we have Thrawn, to too. Thrawn is in yeah. Thrawn in the Ahsoka series, and he's also gay. <laughs> Imagining Thrawn in, interacting with Jason Sindula right now. <laughs> it's one of those, like, random I'm... pairings of characters that have, like, never interacted. But I'm like, imagine if they did. Like, what would, I'm just curious, what would happen? Curious. I want Thrawn and Hera to interact again in a way in which he's not terrible, because, like, I know they would get along, and, like, if he wasn't busy, like, committing war crimes on behalf of the Empire, and it makes me angry. I love them so much. I love them. I think that they need to interact again, but I also am kind of worried that Harris can be like, you know, you're literally the reason why my husband got killed. Like, <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, no, that was Price. Well, actually, did Thrawn order the strike on the thing? Was he even there? I don't remember. I don't think he was there. I think he was gone because he is mad at Price afterwards. He's like, girl, what was all this then? Because yeah. she's like, let me like do all this just so people won't know that I made a mistake. Um, God, I hate her so much. But anyway, yeah. So I don't think he was involved. I need to rewatch Rebels in summary. But Hera could still definitely blame him, which is upsetting. Yeah, I wouldn't even be that mad at her if she did. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, girl, you're justified in that. I miss Kanan. <laughs> His death, like, that might be the hardest I've cried over, like, Star Wars. I'm trying to think. Yeah. There might be some other things, but that's definitely up there. Um, I literally watched it like like in my room right after school in the afternoon and then just cried for like a couple hours, you know. Mm-hmm. I miss him so much. That was definitely that was definitely a tough one. That was a mm-hmm. tough one. That like com- like even I would put that up there with like burying the dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like I was just destroyed for days. The worst part, too, is, like, not even just his death scene, but, like, the episode after where they're all trying to, like, cope with him being gone and, like, Ezra's angry and he has to, like, go to the temple and Hera's sort of, like, blaming herself for it. Like, that was almost worse than his actual death, which was funny because I, like, watched um, Jedi Knight episode where he dies and I was like, okay, done for the day. Like, I'll resume tomorrow. And then when I went back, it was another sad episode. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I should have just, like, powered through then. But it was, like, two whole days of, like, just pain. Just pain. Yeah, no, I think Jedi Knight, to me, was, like, the rising storm in which the ending happened. And I was just like, ah! And I couldn't even get emotional because I was just so shocked. And then, like, the next episode, I'm, like, sobbing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That That is what happened. And Jarris, I miss you so much. Literally, the like ending, um, little like montage thing of the Rebels finale when they show like Hera and Jason, and they're like, Yeah, and Jason like reminds everyone of his dad, and like we all know how he was. That I, I can't even think about that without getting emotional. Where's my Jason Sindula series? That's what I want, actually. I really <laughs> want that. And they need to redesign him and then I'll look Yeah, him. exactly. I was like, I don't want him to be looking like that the whole time, but Where's I do his want Laku? to see like, please. It's so weird. I'm like, they just like slap green hair on him and we're like, okay, 
I was like, yeah. I don't like I'm not a G I'm not an expert on like Twilight human babies, but like I don't that doesn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know where the green hair came from, but definitely don't know what happened there. It's not how genetics work. Um <laughs> so not so not related to this at all. Like, Again, have you, did you, okay, have you seen the How to Train Your Dragon movies? Yes. Have you seen the last one, like, the third one? Yeah. Further, and then the, like, Night Fury's children are, like, black and white, and I literally was yelling. I was like, that's not how it works. That is not, that's exactly how I felt with Jason Sindula. I know, it's so conflicting, because I'm, like, I'm like literally crying and then there's this kid and I'm like whose kid is that why does he look like that <laughs> wow I can't believe that was the first time I've ever brought up how to train your dragon on this podcast <laughs> and okay. we also managed to bring up the high republic uh, again because that's a I literally don't that's think we will ever make it through an episode without talking about the high we could be talking about like literally anything mm-hmm. I think we even talked about it in the lesser evil episode we definitely did. <laughs> we has nothing to did. do with this whatsoever, no, but we'll no. find a way. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. In next week's episode, we are going to be doing a wrap-up of Waves 1 and 2 of the High Republic, so feel free to send us any final questions you want us to answer about that. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode.